Hi, you guys, and welcome back to the podcast. We are the Carwells. I'm Emily. And I'm Sarah, and we are, as you know, Airbnb interior designers and investors. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Catch Up with the Carwells. Um, today, we are doing something a little bit different. Emily is not joining us today. As she's not feeling well, but... I am today interviewing my husband, who tends to stay a little bit more behind the scenes on the real estate front. Um, but we're in kind of an interesting era where he is converting into real estate full time instead of what he's been doing for full time for the last eight years. So um, we're going to have some fun today, interview him and get his horror stories from Airbnb and pick his brain a little bit and let you guys get to see um, kind of what work we are working on behind the scenes. So um, without further ado, hello, Ethan. Well, hello. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, okay. So as you guys know, every single episode, we start out with an Airbnb horror story. And as you can imagine, Ethan and I have gone through every single horror that we've gone through in Airbnb together. So I'm going to let him tell one of the many horror stories that I haven't shared on here yet with you guys. Yeah. I mean, I'm not familiar with all the horror stories you have shared, so I'll try and keep it uh, less horror today and more just recent, which was last week. We had a checkout as normal in our Michigan property. And, um, our neighbor calls me, which this neighbor doesn't call me very often, twice a year, texts me more than calls. But typically when a call comes in, <laughs> you know, that's not good. Red flag. Uh, yeah. And a, a little backstory to that is I had talked to this neighbor about a month before that, and I wanted to put a do not park sign up in this little bitty lot in between our house and his, in which we both agreed that's perfect. And really what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get in front of all the summer traffic and make sure we don't have any trouble with this neighbor during the summertime because we're going to be busy and traveling. So the neighbor agrees. I agree. I went ahead and ordered it. And I had our my maintenance team install it on the day of that checkout, which was last week. Then I get a phone call. I, I forgot to tell the neighbor when we were going to do it, but we received the the sign and I just told the maintenance man to go ahead and do it neighbor agreed we're fine mind you the neighbor and my maintenance team have had beef in the past small town lake problems yeah yeah <laughs> um you know even out of the middle of nowhere we're dealing with these things long story short the neighbor had a, a gc there working on the inside of his house as the maintenance team was, man was putting in the sign the gc from what i know well actually so the neighbor calls and i was like hey my gc has called the cops on are your maintenance man, your maintenance man threatened to kill him with a shovel. <laughs> Jeez, this is so pressed. So new, so it's not even resolved yet. <laughs> and anyway, everything's going to hell. Like it's, it's, we're in a bad position. You know, you need to basically get your maintenance man out of there, yada, yada. And I was like, oh my goodness. So anyway, I take a look at the cameras and about that time, the Nuevo County Sheriff is pulling up at my house. And I was like, okay, fantastic. And then, of course, the maintenance man calls me and gives me his side of the story. So long story short, nobody goes to jail, thankfully. Nobody was hurt, thankfully. But nonetheless, now we have a huge wedge between us and the neighbor because of my maintenance man that I had nothing to do with, um, that I tried to smooth over and resolve. But one guy's from Detroit, so you know he's, I don't know, tough, I guess. And then one guy's like backcountry and and tough and so they're just two bulldogs that really won't stand down at all so now as of this podcast recording we have a very pissed off neighbor and a very pissed off maintenance man <laughs> so that's what i've used to run out yeah and in all honesty this is how i think this situation played out in my head 
Uh, this GC has been working on this house for months, months at this point. Months at this point. So he's been parking. I mean, the parking spot that we are trying to avoid Airbnb people from parking in is on our neighbor's property, but it is right next to our front door and not right next to his front door. And so it looks like it should be our parking spot. And so the GC has been parking in that spot for the several months that he's been working on this property. And so it's annoying to the GC when we have people who park there who are staying at our Airbnb as a guest. And so what the GC thought is when our maintenance man was putting the no parking sign up, the GC thought that the maintenance man was suggesting that the GC can't park there and that he's been doing the wrong thing this entire time. And the GC knows that that's the person's property who he's working on. And so he came out guns a blazing, thinking that our maintenance man was attacking him with this parking sign. But in reality, our maintenance man was helping him by adding this parking sign. And it was just two bulldogs that just exploded all at once and started yelling at each other and weren't actually communicating and then ended up calling the cops on one another. Huge <laughs> miscommunication there. And at the end of the day, this is my fault. I'm going to take that blame because I should have told the neighbor to tell the GC that we're not doing this because obviously because of the GC, we're doing this because which the neighbor knew, right? We, yeah. we, we, me and the neighbor were good. Uh, it's just I failed to communicate to my maintenance team and he failed to communicate to us. Jeez. So. <laughs> yeah. And mind you, the cop shows up like 45 minutes before our guests are showing. Oh, yeah. This is all in between check ins. This was a same day check out, check in. And of course, you know, never a dull moment in the BB space. Never a dull moment. Um, and the last thing we wanted was for a cop to be resolving a potential domestic violence situation while our guests showed up who are paying several thousand dollars to be there. Yeah, so this team is in handcuffs. <laughs> and that is, and that's this week's issue, right? So again, this is always just a good reminder for everyone who's listening that these Airbnbs are going to throw problems at you that you will never anticipate happening and they will happen and you just have to try and handle it with a level head and understand that it is your job now to resolve these so <laughs> level head is probably a key word because it's easy to get emotional i mean i've done it you've done it everybody's done it and all of this this is your property this is something you've put hours and hours or months and months of time and a bunch of money and then you somebody tears something up or something like this happens it's super easy to get emotional but it's we've learned i think the biggest lesson we've learned throughout this entire journey is how to control our emotions yep Yep. Managing disappointment. <laughs> okay. So let's kind of dig into how you and I, but really you, um, got started in real estate out the gate. How did that kind of transpire? I don't know if our stories match up a hundred percent on this, but the way that I see it is for those that don't know, I've done insurance for the last, uh, this month will be eight years. And what I do in my job is I would actually drive to people's houses and sit down at their kitchen tables and go over their insurance and, and try to do something better for them. And so it was one day in 2019, 2018, I don't really know the date of the year, 2019. Yeah. And we started 231 in 2019. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So our, our story is pretty much there. Okay. And, uh, I was headed out to a client's. Uh, house one morning early 7 30 in the morning and i was just listening to a some radio show or whatever it was and the guy was on there i think his name's brian page you've probably heard of him he was talking about a free book and about how basically he's crushing it on airbnb and really guys i mean airbnb today is vastly different than 
even a year ago, much less 2019, right? So this was, it was a pretty new concept to me. I don't even know if we used to be, and if we had it, wasn't good. So I was like, eh. I wasn't very impressed with the entire thing, but he was talking about how much money he's making, how it's crushing it, and ultimately how you can too. So if you paid for the shipping of this book, he'd send it to you. I ordered it and it was a little bitty book with huge words. I think it was 70 pages. I read through it and I was like, wow, okay, that was pretty good. And and I have that mindset that if somebody is experiencing success, that I could do it better. That's just probably my biggest flaw because I'm like, no, if he can do it, I can do it better. Yeah. Or also. Or yeah, I know. Yeah, it could be either way. Um, I read that book and then I immediately gave it to Sarah. And I was like, I want you to read this because I think this is something that we could really dive into and, and, and pursue. I think this is something that, I mean, again, if this guy can figure it out, we're so much better in, in my opinion. And so anyway, Sarah had read the book and she was, we immediately kind of started discussing a game plan. And so at that time in our lives, Insurance was doing fine. It was allowing us to pay the bills and travel and kind of start living the life that we had dreamt of, but there really wasn't a whole lot of extras. So we were spending about everything that I was making. And so we loved weekend travels. We were weekend warriors. We were going to state parks or out to my hometown or Michigan or wherever it was at that time. And so we had decided, we're like, why don't we rent out of our current apartment and on the weekends that we're gone, and at a minimum, we just want to pay for the weekend, right? So that's not an additional expense to us. We'll see how it works, right? If it works, cool. If it doesn't work, no big deal because it's our apartment, it's already furnished, et cetera, et cetera. And lo and behold, it blew up faster than we could ever imagine. Yeah, we would make it live on like Thursday night. We would decide we were going to travel somewhere Thursday and we would post it Thursday and then the whole weekend would book in like 15 minutes. A literal 15 minutes. And that's when we kind of discovered, A, there's a market and B, we're charging too little. Uh, <laughs> because if it's going that fast, we would need to be up in that. So that's really how we got into it. And and nonetheless, I don't want to go any further because I'm sure you told that story. But then that's how we started. We got a whole nother unit in that apartment complex that they didn't know about. Uh, <laughs> and, and then we started renting that out full time and then it snowballed after that. Yeah. Well, and a portion that Ethan didn't include that I think is important for my version of the story is at the time I was working at an architecture firm. I've shared that story a million times over on socials. And I was making between forty-five dollars and $50,000 a year over the span of those four years that I was working there. And so at the time, you know, we had decided that we were going to, we weren't married yet. Yeah, we started this before we were married, but we got married in 2019. So maybe we did start it in 2018. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Regardless, we weren't married yet. We decided to combine finances um, because we were together 100% of the time anyway. And Ethan and I had had a conversation because Ethan's insurance company was starting to grow. It was starting to see a lot of success. And I was helping dabbling in it, right? I was helping all of your marketing and any sort of deliverable that you guys had, business cards, things like that, websites, anything that was creatively driven, I was handling for the insurance company. And so Ethan had this goal. He was like, Sarah, I'd love to retire you June of 21. That was our goal in 2019, that in June of 2021, I would leave my nine to five. And for those of you that have heard this story, and that, like leaving and being a stay-at-home anything, even if I didn't have kids, if it was a stay-at-home dog mom, that was like a mental health death sentence for me. <laughs> I love being productive. I love working. I find a lot of purpose in it. And so that almost gave me anxiety more than it gave me relief. 
which I'm not saying is the right thing. But for me personally, I was like, oh, that sounds horrible. And so we had a conversation between the two of us where I was like, okay, I love that you're ambitious. I love that you want to take care of me. I love that you like the idea of me not working, right? Like that's some girl's dreams. My dream at that point in time would be to have you make the money and me make the money grow. And so that was kind of the sentence that started that wheel turning that I think really ended up being the reason why you ordered that book because you were like, wait a minute, this could be something that Sarah could grow. And so at this point in time, when we first started exploring Airbnb, we had already switched our finances to living 100% on the money that Ethan was making. And we were saving 100% of what I was making. At the time, I had student loans. That's so. I had 20 grand in student loan debt. And so um, I just started doubling down on paying that off so that we could walk into a marriage debt free. And then what we were going to do beyond that was kind of a mystery. And so student loans were paid off. We found this book. All of a sudden we were still saving and we didn't know what we were going to invest that money into. But we knew we wanted to be ready for an opportunity when that opportunity hit. And that's when we started barking down this rabbit hole of Airbnb. And we have yet to look back since. But None of that would have came to fruition unless you heard that radio station yeah. talking about arbitrage yeah. and bought that book. That's so. an actual, it was just an advertisement. And you remember when he actually called us? We were in our <laughs> one of our Michigan properties and his organization, Brian Page's organization had called us and checked in with us. First time they'd ever done that. And they said, hey, we saw that you ordered that book several years back and we just wanted to check in and see how your, you know, your Airbnb business was going. I was like, funny, you should ask. And, uh, <laughs> it's exploded. Yeah. And I ended up <laughs> telling and teaching them a thing or two that, because they're mostly, at, at least at the time, was arbitrage. So yeah. we were yeah. talking about actually owning the property. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a wild ride, but nonetheless, it's worked out for us so far. So we are, we're thankful for it. Okay. So the next question I have for you is what was the turning point for you in deciding to leave insurance and come full time into real estate? Because we're obviously going through that transition. Right now, we have been for the last several months, um, but that was not a decision that happened overnight. So, yeah, no, it was not. So, in the insurance business, if you're not familiar with how it works, at least in the Medicare space, is what I really um, focused on. Is you when you sell a policy to somebody, you get what's called an upfront commission, right? That's how you get paid. And then after year one, as long as they're still on your books, you get what's called renewals. And so you get paid a small amount every single month that that policy, like I said, is still on the books. So when I discovered that, that was like our key to the life that we wanted to live as far as being flexible, as far as being mobile. And, and that was going to answer all our questions. That way then we could, you know, focus on something else. Um, and really that was the entire idea. What I found after about 500 clients, as far as free time goes, it's no longer possible because now I went from a, a sales rep to a glorified customer service rep. The phone calls came in every day. And there was always something going on, always something wrong, always, Ethan, you told me the drug was going to be $2. I paid two fifty. you know, things like that, which became really like it consumed all of my day and a little bit more importantly than that, all of my happiness because I am a really good salesman. It's what I've done since really before I got out of college. It's what I love. I love talking to people. I love explaining things. I love answering questions, uh, but I don't like doing the customer service side of things. And so my biggest fault is that I never hired that out. And so really we got to a point after several of these properties were running 
independently that we didn't, they didn't need any of our attention or very, very, very little houses. Don't talk back. Apartments don't call me every other day complaining about 50 cent drug price difference, whatever. Right. So I began to realize that this, uh, free time that I was supposed to have from insurance wasn't ever going to exist unless I hired somebody. And I really didn't want to hire somebody because that was an additional expense and I couldn't justify that expense because I wasn't going to go back to work as hard as I needed to, to cover the cost of that person. So that's when ultimately I, I had started exploring the idea of selling my business and taking that money and rolling it into more properties to cover my, to cover my income. I guess that was kind of the turning point is realizing that my time wasn't as free as I wanted it because we're moving all the time. I, it's very hard. Most, I would say 95% of my business is in Texas. And I personally haven't lived in Texas in over two years. Uh, so to be able to like really, and, and, and within that actually, you know, when we're traveling in the van or the bus or anything, just driving down the road and taking customer service calls, those calls require me to sit down, log into the computer, look up something, call an insurance company, then call the client back. They didn't answer, leave my boys. Oh, they call me back. You can see kind of how that will again, snowball into way bigger. And so that was really the turning point for me was realizing that insurance was an awesome avenue for us to gain what we have. And I'm forever grateful for it. But um, as far as a lifestyle play that I'm looking to, to accomplish, it wasn't there for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, you and I have talked about this a few times. When Ethan was starting his insurance company, one of my favorite qualities about marrying a Texan that was really hard to find in dating Michigan men is that Ethan was first and foremost a provider. And so he was, you know, had this very traditional mindset of like, I provide for the family, I take care of the family. Um, and that all ties back to finances, right? It ties back to bringing home the bacon. Having that in a significant other, I, to be honest, in every single relationship outside of Ethan, always just assumed that I was going to be the breadwinner. And that's fine, right? That's no harm, no foul, but you can only imagine the excitement when you've got two people who kind of have that same vision, how powerful that could be. Um, and so when he was building the insurance agency, it was out of necessity more so than passion. You know, we saw what insurance could provide with, you know, the component of residual income and mailbox money. And that was attractive to us because it would allow us, in theory, the free time to go do something else, which we learned it wasn't going to allow us to do that. But he built that insurance company off of necessity and not off of passion. And so when it came time for me to look at, okay, well, we thought retirement was going to be the thing that retired us. So you make the money and I make the money grow. My only responsibility was to replace my existing income and see if I could get it replaced without having to spend the amount of time that I was spending working a nine to five. In turn, you know, when he found Airbnb, it was something that I was already passionate about, right? Interior design, hospitality, the experience, houses in general, travel, all of those things were things that I was passionate about. And so I think when we both look back on my journey starting this Airbnb business and Ethan's journey starting the insurance business, he's looking at me and saying, you know, I'm envious because you're so passionate about what you do. And I don't know that I'm not passionate about insurance. Right. And so for us, that was like a huge sounding alarm because now the Airbnb business makes enough money that it could retire you without us having to change our lifestyle. That's been a huge blessing in disguise because we were of the mindset that you were going to do insurance for forever. 
<laughs> and, and the, the Airbnb thing was just going to be our side hustle for forever. So over the last year, as we've kind of made that decision to get him to come into real estate full time, and we don't even know for sure if you will be in real estate full time. I just saw my <laughs> Our goal right now is just to figure out where Ethan finds the amount of passion that I find in bringing properties to life. And Ethan is incredibly involved in bringing these properties to life, like just as involved as I am while trying to also run an insurance business. So he's really got the hard job out of the two of us. Um, Probably can't see, but there's a bunch of wrinkles on this floor. <laughs> Loss of hair. This, this hair rock needs to be done right here. Yeah, I have not built it alone by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but our goal now is to just make sure that, you know, both of us are aligned in what we do. You know, you see all these powerhouse couples and they always say when the two people in the relationship can get aligned in what they do, it's like having three people working instead of two. I think that's our goal too, but I'm excited to see what this next chapter has for you. And I'm excited for him to not be a customer service rep because it is never fails that it's Friday at five and he will get 18 phone calls and we are sitting down at happy hour and he has work to do and I hate it. In which I've had the same rule for four years now, no meetings on Fridays. <laughs> You're not going to catch me on a meeting <laughs> any day or any time. Yeah, it's it's best for you to be done with insurance, but it's also best for your clients for you to be yeah, done with Yeah, they deserve <laughs> better. better. <laughs> um, fair enough. Um, okay, so the third question I have for you is what lifestyle shifts slash sacrifices did we make to get the real estate wheel spinning faster? Short answer, we made all the lifestyle switches. <laughs> um, you know, I had mentioned a minute ago that we were spending all of our income uh, or my income and, of course, saving yours. I think that started with a game plan, guys. Uh, I, I talk about this a lot. You know, people call us lucky. You know, people call us a lot of things, which is just simply maybe sure we have a little bit of luck, but simply most of it is sacrifice. We don't have the newest things. We don't have the newest cars, newest clothes, newest phones, newest, all those things. We don't have that. I make it a personal mission that once a quarter, I'm terrible at budgeting, so don't let me seem like some sort of finance master here because I'm terrible at, at budgeting, but I have gotten our monthly bills so low for so long now that what we're actually able to bring home and reinvest is higher than anybody that I can think of because yeah. of these bills. And, and guys, I mean, you see, you know, you see that we travel quite a bit. We do everything on a budget. We're not flashy. Uh, we're not, you know, we'll spoil ourselves and do something nice. But I guess at the end of the day, I just, my message is to, to sacrifice, to stop giving into materialism doesn't matter. Nobody cares. This is a four-year-old shirt, right? Like, it, well, it looks like it too, but it doesn't <laughs> matter, right? It, it's, it's because at the end of the day, our vision, our goals, our dreams are so much bigger than a, than a, a truck, right? Or so much bigger than uh, whatever, a, a new house, right? And so a couple of things is that uh, we actually haven't technically had a home and this month is two years, right? So we just signed on this apartment that we're currently in. So guys, that means we've bounced around in a bus, a van, her parents' house when they're down south for the winter. Your parents' house? My parents' house, Airbnbs that we have, Airbnbs that, that people will let us stay uh, graciously just for a, a review. You know, we have had no normalcy nor, nor any consistency in our lives for two years, which sounds glorious, right? Everybody's like, oh, you're so lucky. I mean, we hear about it all the time, but it's just like, in which I'm not complaining. It's been a great life, but 
there are days that it's very <laughs> tough to to have to wake up and have to make every single decision, such as you know where to use the restroom, where to get breakfast, where to get breakfast, where you're going to get gas, where all these things that you don't have to make when you live somewhere consistently. So uh, we've sacrificed a little bit there. We've sacrificed in finances. Am I missing something that we've sacrificed in? Um, I, I mean, I think those will be the two biggest things. I and think I think uh, a big one, too, that gives us a huge advantage is pushing off our primary home for so long and deciding not to have kids right away. Yeah. I think, you know, when you look at your biggest expenses, you're looking at what you're paying for where you live, what you're paying for what you're driving and what you're paying to raise whatever you're trying to raise, whether it's a kid animals, you know, whatever the extra expenses are, those typically are your biggest expenses every single month. And so Ethan and I, when we were looking at our own lives and we started really trying to align on what we thought our long-term vision was, I think both of us got really, really obsessive about the five-year vision, the 10-year vision, the 20-year vision, as opposed to trying to impress people that we don't really care about in all honesty today. And so um, even though we do make enough money to have our dream home if we wanted it or our dream vehicles if we wanted them or um, have kids or have multiple pets or whatever the case may be, we've decided to say, no, let's stay in this chaotic era as long as we possibly can because it keeps our bills so low. I mean, our bills every single month are like what? Under? Under 3000 Well, before this apartment, it was around 2000 yeah. Um, so let's put it at 3500 right now. Uh, well, let's put it at 4000 but 1000 of that is our investments that we still um, invest in every single month. So, which some people are like, oh my gosh, $4,000 a month, that's that's a lot, right? But I don't know, let's talk. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I don't mean that to sound anything other than, yeah, I mean, we've kept our bills. Because you're right, we could have the huge house and the nicest cars and all yeah. that. We could have all that right now. We could be fine with where we're at currently potentially for the rest of our lives, um, but we're not satisfied yet. And it's not, it's not, I don't think it's, we're not satisfied because of money. I just think we're not satisfied because again, we kind of see the ultimate goal, the bigger picture, which is to create some of the most beautiful spaces for people to enjoy with their friends and family. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when we left Texas, in the van um and we never went back which was unplanned right we we were not planning on being homeless for the last two years it's just how the cookie crumbled i guess that's what happens when you don't have service for four months and you get to really align with your significant other you know over the last two years we've just lived out of a suitcase primarily and so i think what that's really taught us is that we didn't miss any of the materialistic things that we had when we were full-time in Fort Worth and an apartment, um, there is like that stability factor that we missed where you have a consistent desk and you have a consistent refrigerator and you have a consistent toilet. But when it came to like buying the newest clothes, buying the newest shoes, buying the new technology, buying the new car, keeping up with the Joneses, what we realized is we were exponentially happier in the van than we ever were in an apartment in Fort Worth. I mean, not that, that we weren't happy in Fort Worth, but I just remember getting in the van was like the happiest four months ever you know it was like just kind of a utopia per se and so i think that now when we look at our own lives we outfit these airbnbs exponentially more luxurious than we outfit our current apartment i wish you could see behind this screen right now but we're sitting in a completely bare apartment with a mattress <laughs> on the floor no sofa and boxes <laughs> 
Um, but it's simple and it's happy. And I think it's because we enjoy what we do and we enjoy each other and we enjoy, you know, the people that we work with and we work for. Ultimately, I think we see ourselves as working for our guests and we love that our guests enjoy our properties. And so it's just a matter of rinsing and repeating, but it's not really about the money anymore. It's about the fact that we're passionate about it. But it starts with the money. It starts with the mindset, starts with the money. Yeah. Sacrifice, guys. I mean, we've been sacrificing, I would say, for since this began. So whether it was 2018 or 2019, whatever it was, the time is going to go by anyway, right? Um, so if you could just delay that gratification of the new vehicle, I don't care if you just graduated college and feel like you earned it, like, or whatever, just delay that for just a little time, pay those debts off, switch that mindset, start saving that money. And then when that opportunity does come, whatever it is, Airbnb or anything else, when that opportunity comes, you'll be ready just like we were. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when we had 20 grand saved up and I remember my mom specifically reaching out and saying to both of us, she was like, Sarah needs a new car. Mm -hmm. Sarah needs a new car. And I did need a new car. Like, I, I needed a new car so bad. Um, anyone who was around in my life in the era knows how badly I needed a new car. And we decided to say no to the new car and invest it in those. She pushed that hard. She put, I mean, she was looking out for her daughter. She's like, this car isn't even safe anymore, Sarah. You really need a new vehicle. And I did. But I just, like, couldn't bring myself to spend money on a vehicle when I knew that there was something that I could potentially invest in that could then pay for that vehicle in all reality i still haven't bought a vehicle <laughs> yeah i was gonna say it didn't a hack at least for our lifestyle was we were able to have one yeah. so that means one payment and and you made it very clear when we went to go buy that car we weren't paying over twenty thousand dollars <laughs> for it and i got my payment all the way down to like three hundred dollars a month and she was like that's still too much and which couldn't get any lower really but <laughs> but that's like i know people that have two cars and that car payment is like $700 each, right? That's $1,400. Do the math on that times 12 versus one car at 300. Yeah. That's a down payment on a house. That's a down payment, right? Or at least uh, partial furnishing or anything like that. So that's how you need to really like kind of switch that mindset and start looking at money is like, you know, like put it in that annual. Well, that's what I did for my clients. I'd say it's a hundred dollars a month for saving. Well, nobody really gets all that excited about a hundred bucks, but you say it's 1200. All of a sudden people are like, okay, because then you can start spending that money in another way, in a way that's going to help you. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so next question I have for you is, what does your ideal life look like and how will real estate make that life possible? Ideal life. Well, if you follow Sarah, her randomness as far as what is the goal, we call it a goal of the day, you know, or a flavor of the day, it changes. I think as of right now, my goal I'm not a guy that's able to do nothing um, like you, kind of the idea of retiring you. Now I'm quote unquote retiring myself or, you know, everybody is retiring myself. I'm not a guy to do nothing. And I, I love having or adding value and in any way that I can. So I guess an ideal lifestyle would be to absolutely 100% want to own my time. And that looks very different to a lot of people. But what I mean by that is like, if I decide I want to work today, I want to work. I decide I don't want to work today, I want to work. If I decide I don't want to go to a meeting, I'm not going to a meeting. And if I decide I want to go to Europe tomorrow, that's where I'm going. So I really want that 100% ownership of my time. But then again, I kind of still want to do something bigger, which we even discussed yesterday. Um, a little something about me is I'm, I'm a clean freak. 
Um, I don't like clutter. I don't like mess. Now I'm not all weird, like scrubbing baseboards or anything, but I just, you know, just pick up after yourself. So one thing that I've really, really wanted to do and, and will eventually make it my mission is I just want to clean up the earth is what I call it. I want to go pick up trash and I want to recycle and I want to, you know, make sure that whoever comes on this street right in front of us, they're, you know, they're like, wow, this street is clean, you know, and, and or this town is clean or this city or state or whatever is, is clean. So ultimately my, that's what I want real estate to do is afford me the time freedom, but also allow me to, you know, if I could find a, a way to make a little bit of money while picking up trash, great. But if not, it doesn't That's matter. okay as well because I'm kind of thinking of the greater good here and wanting to really pick up trash is like, that's what I'm, Yeah. I don't know. Well, and we used to do that. I mean, when we were living in Fort Worth full time before we have been homeless for the last two years, I asked Ethan for Christmas what he wanted and he was like, I want a trash picker upper. And I was like, laughed. I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, no, seriously. And he sent me a link to this trash picker upper on Amazon. It was like 20 bucks. Um, and so I ordered it, got it for him for Christmas. And every single morning after he had that trash picker upper, I mean, we go for morning walks still to this day every single morning, uh, but it's not in the city typically anymore up until now that we're in an apartment. We'll pick that back up or our walks will be in the city. But there's way more trash in the city than there is out in the middle of nowhere, right? So when we were in Fort Worth every single morning, we would, he would grab a Walmart sack and his trash picker over and I would grab the dog and I would walk the dog and he would take the Walmart sack and pick up trash. And so, you know, we had a soup kitchen that was across from where we were living or a church that would open it up as a soup kitchen on Thursday nights. And after that night of the soup kitchen, they would always give the homeless people the food and disposables. And so all of the disposable forks and cups and plates and bowls and everything would be left all over the ground. Just a trail. It was always just so like ugh, disheartening. Um, but we would go and we'd pick it up. And uh, so I think that that's something that like has sparked a certain amount of passion in the both of us. You know, you see how gross the world is and how people do not take a second to look at the fact that they are leaving a trail behind themselves. And so I think that wealthy people, when you look at the billionaires of the world, always get a bad rap. Um, and everybody thinks that they're like this big monster that is, you know, the problem with society. Um, and we would argue that, you know, it's not the money that's the problem. It's the person who has the money that's the problem. And so not all wealthy people are bad, just like not all poor people are good, right? It, it's a case-by-case -case scenario. And what I think we've decided is that we really can't make any big impact in the world if we are poor. That is the reality of the world that we live in. And so our goal is not only to create a life where we have a lot of freedom, but where we get to pursue passions that we have that maybe aren't as monetizable as insurance or real estate is. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. how it all unfolds in the next few years. But we've got a lot of time. The yeah. thing with real estate is it's like once we've figured out how to create wealth with real estate, it's not a matter of if we will have the wealth in the life that we want. It's a matter of when. And when that wealth hits and we kind of decide, you know what, we're done rinsing, rinsing and repeating this model. What does it look like to do something else? And if money isn't a part of that conversation because money is taken care of, then where do we spend our time? So Yeah, think about the decisions you can make if money wasn't a factor. Right. Right. That's exciting. I mean, and not to say we're there yet or now or anything, but I mean, money and a lot of things that we currently do really don't play a factor. And it's, it's exciting. 
you know, because like Sarah mentioned earlier, as far as me and the insurance business, every move I made was out of necessity and a scarcity mindset in which I know a lot of Americans, a lot of people in this world have to do that every single day. And, and whether those decisions were right or wrong or whatever, it sure is different. You got to get used to like money, not being the motivator. Um, so whether, you know, I make a billion dollars picking up trash or make zero, I guess it really doesn't matter to me because it's just something that I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be strange <laughs> to see how it shifts. Um, and I mean, just you mentioning for a moment about how you were building that business out of necessity. I mean, you and I have talked in depth about how, you know, building this Airbnb business while you have been building the insurance business or continuing to build the insurance business, it has not come with a small amount of stress. And none of that stress was from, yeah, none of that stress was from being responsible for bills or responsible for putting food on the table. Um, so it's really hard for me to imagine. I tell him this all the time. I'm like, I don't know how you built that insurance company with all the stressors that building a business comes with, in addition to being stressed about paying for rent and paying for putting food on the table. Like that added having to provide layer is a whole layer it's that 100% commission based <laughs> yeah. sales rep. Yeah. Incredible. Many, many, many times. I love you for it. Many times I wanted to throw in the hat and give up and just be, yeah, just be done. Yeah. And you really shielded me from a lot of that stress too. Like yeah. you talk now very vocally about how stressful it was at the beginning and how many times you had to, you know, scrape things together and make sure that rent got paid last minute and really like hit those buzzer beater moments. And you didn't share those, right? You wanted to be macho provider. Um, and I was under the impression that everything was rainbows and butterflies the entire time. So out of eight years, all I had to borrow money once. <sighs> Good for you. 800 bucks. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. That is incredible. One thing and then we'll move. No, no. I just have a, a belief that if you're doing the right thing, then it'll always work out because it always seemed like right before rent was due, right before the car payment was due or whatever. And let's say I had negative $125 in my name and I needed $300 from that account. I would get a life insurance policy randomly, right? Or I'd get a referral randomly and that would pay for that. So I don't know. I just feel like, again, if you're just doing the right thing and you think you're, you know, you're, you're going to stay on course and you, and you're, you're doing it for the bigger picture and a bigger goal. And whether it's for your family, whether it's for yourself, whoever it's for, you know, it'll work out. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I'm thinking about before I kind of ask the last question and wrap up here is, I mean, you know, when I was talking earlier about, I don't know what, and you were like, no, but it starts with money kind of circling back to that concept of it all starting with money. I mean, I remember when Ethan and I were um, dating and we were, you know, living in this house with five other people or three other people or whatever it was. And our rent was like $300 a month. And we did that specifically. So the rent would be low. We, both of us, I think both of us are W2 tax returns at the end of the year. I had made like $33,000 a year and you had made like $32,000 a year. And I was like shocked that I had made more than you. Right. Because I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't make any money. And so both of us combined were making about $60,000 and we still love to travel. You know, we still love to have a social life. We still love all the same things that we love now. But at the time, money was a lot tighter. And so even before we started an Airbnb or an insurance, we were we had this, you know, huge house that all of us were living in to split this, you know, $1,700 mortgage or whatever it was. 
And we had this formal dining room that had literally nothing in it, like not a single piece of furniture in this, like a whole room in the house just had nothing because no one in the house could afford to furnish it. It was such a trap house. But, <laughs> but, um, I right outside a college house, <laughs> even though I were, <laughs> um, but we decided to start flipping furniture at that point in time so that we didn't have to put ourselves into any sort of like big credit card debt. I think you were paying off credit card debt that you had dug yourself into at that point in time. And so we would like go around on free Fridays where people would put out their furniture on Friday for like the dump truck to come and pick up the big pieces that they couldn't fit in their typical trash. And we would go around and we would pick up free furniture. We would pick up like free sofas, free TV consoles, things like that, that were a little dingy. And we would buff out the rough edges and I would stage it in that completely empty room. And then we would sell it on Facebook Marketplace. We just were furniture flippers for probably a year. We did that. How much fun was that? We would sell like... get that we did that. <laughs> well, yeah, we would get like broken lawnmowers and sell it to like lawnmower repairmen. And... Yeah, we would tell them like, hey, this does not work, right? Like, it, you know, we don't know anything about it and somebody like give you 35 bucks for it i'm like okay I, it's funny that you and i both remember that it was 35 dollars. like so excited over 35 dollars a lawnmower that's money <laughs> go grab it yeah but we i mean we made like two thousand dollars flipping well, furniture we, we went to asia yeah we went to asia for 17 days on that. <laughs> yeah. So it really, truly does start with your finances. Like if there is one thing that you're taking away from this podcast between the two of us, if you have a significant other or even if you're solo, um, you have to get really in tune with your finances. I know it's something that's like daunting and it's a habit that you have to create and it's very adulting of you to have to do. Um, but the second, you know, you get really real and raw about those numbers and what you're bringing in and what you're spending and where you're spending that money and how you can earn more money, those wheels will start turning and you start realizing that the lifestyle that you're living now is never going to allow you the lifestyle that you actually want. And so once that light bulb goes off and you start pulling on that string, <laughs> who knows you could end up five years later in the situation that we're in <laughs> yeah okay so final question that i have for you today before we wrap up is what past current or future project are you most excited about so i don't know if she's shared this with everybody yet um she has well listen to it again i got a wild idea well it started way before then but Basically, every time I felt Sarah and I have been in a funk, we weren't eye to eye. We weren't, you know, we weren't on the same page. Maybe we weren't happy. We weren't happy. Yeah, whatever it may be. I always just get this wild idea to get in a car and drive. And that's kind of where the van story came in with four months. We kind of got to a point where I wouldn't say we weren't happy or anything. We were really more on that level trying to just get on the same page there. But um, I, I just always encourage us to just drop it all because we can, right? and go travel right where we can realign refocus and you know reshift our priorities where they align a little bit better so i wasn't looking for this i had no intention of doing this but i was on facebook marketplace one evening we were doing the cadillac property which was a nightmare for a lot of days and a lot of different reasons um but we were doing this property we were bogged down i was in the middle of my busy season with insurance i was also helping until midnight or later on this house and i could just feel that both of us were just burnt out not happy we don't even know what we were doing we had we had something 
I don't even go that far into it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> not salty about it today. I'm not... Still fresh. <laughs> a wound. Um, anyway, I was on the Facebook Marketplace, and I still have my Facebook Marketplace for DFW, like the location of DFW, for whatever reason, never switched it to Michigan. And I just got on it one day because I like to look at vans, like the old Volkswagen vans. Like we have one day a school bus popped up. This stupid school bus was already renovated. I was ex- like, it was just perfect, right? And it was like bigger than the van. And and I had this wild idea that I was going to buy this school bus and we would travel in it because again, I felt like we needed another trip. We would travel in it and, um, and ultimately we would turn around and rent it out when we're done traveling in it. Um, so I pitched this thing, like as a salesman, I pitched this thing probably five times to you. <laughs> it's like, shut up. Yeah. And that's what I would get is like, shut up. Like, what are you talking about? We're too busy. Like, there's no way we can do that. Like, yeah, whatever. Like we have the money to buy it up front, but we're not spending our money like at the end of the year on the school bus, you know? So if you can figure it out, whatever, you know, it just was never, never good. And I uh, just kept pushing it, kept pushing it, kept talking to the owner of the school bus, kept you know, um, just kept asking questions and making sure it was a good fit for us. So anyway, long story short, we ended up getting the bus, we ended up traveling and then we, we got it up here, thankfully to Michigan. And we have decided that we are going to rent it out. And we, so my job there was to basically cold call campgrounds and we were going to arbitrage a camp spot at this, with this bus. And we were going to run it on Airbnb and provide this experience. And, you know, I hadn't, I mean, cold calling was something that I've done a million times. And I would sit there and brag on my YouTube channel and to all my agents that I, you know, I'll never go broke because I know how to cold call, yada, yada. But the truth of the matter is I hadn't done it in years and I was scared. Uh, but I just started calling campgrounds. We really wanted one. We wanted one so bad that I just started with that. I was like, I'm just going to rip the bandaid off. Like I didn't have a script. I didn't have anything. Um, and I just went into it. I just called and I just had a conversation with the now new owner. We had a little leverage because we knew the the previous the previous owner, but they sold to this new one, so we had no leverage. You know, I had an out of town area code when I call. I sound different than the folks here in Michigan, and so I had pretty much an uphill battle. But I just had a conversation. I explained, you know, what we've done the last few years, what we build, and and really the pride and, and at what length we take our business to to ensure success. And the lady was like, "I don't see what's wrong with that," and I was like, "Blown away!" Right, and I was like. <laughs> Not what I was thinking you were going to say. And in fact, after that conversation, I still called other campgrounds just to double check that maybe I wasn't hearing things and, and got all notes, right? So anyway, we got to the campground. We actually met with the camp owners uh, last week. And so long story longer, I'm really excited about the school bus. Um, we got it to Michigan. We really kind of tore it down about, I don't know, down to about 50% of what it was. And, uh, and really bringing it back up to our standard. Uh, we've repainted it, you know, where we've done some cute things to make it airbnb not necessarily drive across the country because that is a different, you know, two different things there. So I'm excited to really see what this school bus thing does because I looked in Michigan, I looked in Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, you know, the kind of the surrounding areas and I've noticed nobody's doing that. And so I'm really hoping that this turns into something. And ultimately, I'd love to buy like a campground, whether it's large or small, who knows, but I would love to buy a campground and just really start offering those very unique, small spaces, such as a school bus or a, you know, what do they call those? 
Airstream. An Airstream. Were tiny home. Yeah, tiny home. Really just kind of really started exploring that and offer the folks of the Midwest something that they haven't seen before. Yeah. So I'm really, really excited for that. I didn't talk about where we got the inspiration on if that's important or not. But but anyway, that's that's what I'm most excited for. And as far as what would I have to see to deem that a success really for year one, because in Michigan, you only get about six months of camping before you got to shut her down because of the weather. I guess what I would deem as a success, it'll be fun to watch this podcast in about six months. I wouldn't deem a success as I think I would say breaking even is important to me because I'm not necessarily worried year one on paying for the bus or paying it back, but breaking even and really gauging the market to see if this is something that the market wants and needs. Yeah. Because they'll tell you, you know, if you, if it books out by kind of like our apartment in, in Fort Worth, where it's booking out 15 minutes and, you know, of course we can try to charge a little bit more and things like that, but like, that's going to tell me if I'm going to be able to build this tiny home, unique space campground. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm excited for. Yeah. Well, and I always joke, you know, Ethan's dad, um, had basically a used car a lot behind his house. Um, and his dad since then has passed and cleaning off that piece of property. I was like, why are there 18 Volkswagen Beetles here? Like, why are there three Corvettes? Why are there 27 tractors? Why is there two campers? Uh, you know, which none worked. Oh, none of them worked. All of them were sitting there rotting, but Ethan definitely inherited that gene from his father. Like he is an old used car buff. And so that's how we ended up with a Volkswagen van. And that's how we ended up with a school bus as well. And so I think that we're excited to explore something that kind of combines Ethan's existing passion of funky vehicles um, and see if we can make money on them. Just like I have a huge passion for buying every single house that I want to buy and every single glorious piece of furniture that I can get my hands on. Um, if he can find kind of a niche that allows him to buy those funky vehicles and make money on them and own a whole fleet of them, I think that that would be probably his ideal <laughs> version of retirement. Yeah, ones that I can... Sneak away and <laughs> yeah. go, go camping. Yeah. The trick is going to be getting you to rent them all out. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's the hard part. That's, I mean, I, I agreed to the bus, obviously, significantly more expensive than the van ever was, but yeah. I can't do the van. Yeah. The van is ours. Yeah. I don't plan on I totally agree. Um, and I mean, you're, you're right. Like, you know, when we talk about buying houses, you can get on AirDNA all day long. You can talk to property management companies. You can talk to other investors in the state that you're looking at investing in, and you can get a very good idea on what to anticipate making because you're rinsing, rinsing and repeating something that others have already done. The thing with the bus is that it's not something that others have already done. No so. There's no data on it. Um, and it's not that there is no data on it. It's just not as accessible data. So there are people that are doing similar things across the country, but it's not in Michigan and it's not a single bus and it's not arbitraging a campground. And so there are a lot of variables that are different about this scenario than a lot of other people's scenarios. So we chose the campground that we chose because they have tubing there at the campground down the river. So the campground is on the river and tubing down the river in Michigan is a very big summer attraction. People come from all over to tube down the river. And so uh, a bus will pick them up at the campground, take them upriver, and then you tube right back to where the bus is located. So we're just excited to see how that entire thing plays out. We're taking 100% risk on this one. There is no, you know, looking at numbers, running numbers on the front end, seeing if it pencils out. This one really is a shot in the dark, but... Yeah, we can't be on owners when they give us, because we paid for 
the summer, like the yeah, entire. It's like four grand or something. Yeah, it was just a little over four grand, and you know they they were tallying it all up, and then they were like, "It's going to be expensive." And I was like, "Okay." And he was like, "Can I mean, you have proven concept that this works?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, in the grand scheme of things, like. That's my risk to take. That's my risk. But, it, you know, it was like, okay, the cost of the bus, which I wanted anyway, and I yeah. really just sold you on it by telling you we're going to rent it out. Uh, and so that was a cost we were already going to take on. But uh, like Bailey, for example, that was like eighty or $90,000 in cash. And sure, we had like AirDNA to kind of look at uh, or compare to, but that was still a huge risk, right? Especially as young as I felt like we were two years ago in this business. And so when they're like, it's going to be four grand, I was like, <laughs> my bar tab has been bigger than that for a month, you know, like, you know, <laughs> admittedly. So I was like, if this is going to potentially make me money and I, at the end of the day, I'm going to learn something, right? I mean, yeah. I'm going to learn that this is something that I really want to pursue and, and, and run with, or it's going to be like, yeah, well, if we can pay for the bus, we'll pay for the bus, right? right. Either way, I find that as a win-win. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a low risk investment as well. So We'll have to see how it uh, turns out. But, well, thank you for letting me interrogate you on our podcast. For our listeners, thank you for listening and getting to know uh, a side of me that doesn't get shown online very often. Um, and hopefully we'll be seeing a little bit more of him now that we are in the process of selling his business. Um, hopefully that sale goes through by May. Um, and then he will be officially retired from insurance and officially exploring real estate full time with me. So Here you go. Uh, it's been a long time coming, but we're excited to be in this era. And for our listeners, if you want to follow Ethan on socials, you can find him at r.e.glidewell23. We'll tag him below so you can follow him if you want. Um, he does post a lot of Airbnb content, though. Almost every single day, there's something relevant to Airbnb because he really handles the operational side of our business. He handles all of the cleaners and the guest communication and the day-to-day -day operations. So Yeah, I find, if I may, um, I find that most folks that are talking about Airbnb online, which it's changed a little bit in the last six months or so, but most people talk about all the good. And there's a lot of good, right? Like, you know, the money you can make and the equity and the tax benefits and all that jazz. But like, there's a lot of bad, there's a lot <laughs> sure. of bad, like, you know, the sheriff showing up or Christmas Eve at 1130 at night, you know, 30 minutes before Christmas day or water not working or, you know, there's a lot of bad. So that's kind of what I try and share is I share, I think an equal amount of good as well as an equal amount of bad, because I don't know, everybody's seen the gurus that are just like, I made, you know, $70,000 yesterday and that's cool. Right. But like, we're not here to sell flashy. We're here to like talk about a lifestyle and, and decisions that we've made for years and years and, and how those decisions are now affecting us. So I don't know. I kind of like to just show a little bit more behind the scenes or behind the curtains. So yeah, give me a follow. Yeah, absolutely. And you get to see all the day-to-day -day chaos and you know, anything that you do in any, any work, any career you choose, any path you choose is going to come with bad, right? So it's really being cognizant of the bad that you are choosing. And so for Ethan, I think, you know, he's looking at the bad of being a glorified customer service rep or the bad of having to deal with cops called on a maintenance man and deciding that bad called, you know, cops called on the maintenance man looks better than, you know, being a glorified customer service rep. So yeah. you have to choose your bad, but it's always nice being able to really look behind the curtain and see what the bad actually looks like on the other side, as opposed to just looking at something and thinking that it's all rainbows and butterflies. So 
Um, I think you do a great job of that. And it's never a dull moment on his stories. No. <laughs> so anyway, thank you for joining us. Thank you to our listeners again for joining us on this episode. And we will catch you next time. Bye.